Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast dedicated to chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. As always, we are your hosts. My name's Chris Alvick. And I'm Connor Thompson. This week, we are bringing you a double dose of the 90s in 1993. We were off last week, sort of. Connor was in New York, more on that later. So we're going to cover November 26th right through December 29th in 93. We're gonna we're gonna skip a couple days though, just because we don't want to inundate you with fourteen whole days of news. Did you say December twenty ninth or December 9th? I thought I said ninth, but I don't know. Well, well, it's the ninth for the record. We're moving on. November twenty sixth, two airwork aircraft contracted to the New Zealand police, the Aerospatiale AS three fifty five F one helicopter Police Eagle, with a civilian pilot and two police officers on board, and a Piper Archer PA. 28-181 carrying only a civilian pilot collided over Auckland, New Zealand. Both aircraft uh, crashed, killing all four people aboard them and injuring one person on the ground. Can you imagine being that one guy on the ground? Yeah, like, hey, what's that? Oh, those oh. planes are crashing. Oh no, they're I'm they're dead. crashing into me. Yeah. These are not good things. Um also, you can tell I lifted this from the Wikipedia on 1993 in aviation because of all those model numbers and and whatnot. A lot of detail. Oh, yeah. Um, but that sucks. Anyway, moving on to November 27th. We've got a voicemail nightmare, but not voicemail in the t- way that we use the word now. This article's written in the first person. Recently, I made a frustrating attempt to order tickets to Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas using an automated phone service. When asked to punch in the, three, the first three letters of the movie I wanted to see, I didn't know whether to enter Tim, The, or N-I-G, as in night. It didn't accept Tim, but it did take the, uh, except that it said that I had selected the Age of Innocence. I got lost wading through all the unwanted information that followed, so I hung up and dialed again. I got the title right this time, but despite the fact that Burton's movie was playing at only one theater at the time, I had to navigate through a confusing series of choices involving countries, cities, areas of the city and even zip codes, to locate the theater. Finally, as instructed, I pushed the appropriate button on the phone to place an order, but no matter how many times I tried, my action was not acknowledged. Eventually, I gave up. This is, this is all verbatim, by the way. To let off steam, I went out to lunch and blew a wad at Tower Records. Is there an I Hate voicemail club out there? Blew a wad. Yeah. Good Th- stuff. Has the meaning of that word changed a little bit in the last 20-some-odd years? I don't think so. All right, um, someone, a uh, local person, jizzes on record store. Moving on to November 28th. Honestly, we couldn't find a particularly interesting news story on this day. There wasn't much. So instead of bringing you some crap, we're skipping it. So November 28th, 1993. Eh, nothing much happened. Didn't happen. Moving on to November 29th. Officer at sobriety checkpoint is run over by car. Jesus Christ. A motorcycle officer working a sobriety checkpoint in Van Nuys? Van Nuys? Van Nuys was hit by a suspected drunk driver Sunday morning, according to local police. Officer Jeffrey G. Williams, age 41, was listed in serious but stable condition at Holy Cross Medical Center in Mission Hills. Uh, the driver of the car, 
one with a last name I can't pronounce, age 24, of Panorama City, which sounds like the coolest. That sounds made up. Kind of does. Like, it sounds, sounds like, like it's out of Vice City, right? Yeah, it really Or does. like a GTA game. It sounds really fucking cool. Uh, so he was held on suspicion of felony drunk driving. Officers expected to file an additional felony hit and run charge today, uh, according to a police spokesman. His blood alcohol level registered at .22, nearly triple the legal limit of .08. That's, uh... That guy was hammed. Oh, yeah. Holy fuck. Moving on to November 30th, U.S. President Bill Clinton signs the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act, an act of the U.S. Congress that mandated a federal background check on firearm purchasers in the United States and imposed a five-day waiting period on purchases, uh, much to the, sm- to the dismay of Homer Simpson when he, oh, when he yeah. goes to get the handgun. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, uh, December 1st, Russia has 96 AIDS deaths. This is out of Moscow. Health officials said on Monday that 96 people had died of AIDS in Russia since 1987 and that fears of an epidemic of the killer disease had proved unfounded. Uh, But now it's a myth and a Western hoax. As news uh, in the last couple days has broke. Hashtag fake news. Yeah. December 2nd, NASA launches the Space Shuttle Endeavor on a mission to repair an optical flaw in the Hubble Space Telescope. Those words are all dope. I know, right? Endeavor, mission... The, an, also, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yes, uh, today, Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar is gunned down by police. Oh no, Pablo. I don't know why I did that. Life of Pablo? Life of Pablo. December 3rd, more U.S. teenagers smoking, survey shows. More U.S. teenagers are taking up smoking after a 15-year decline. While the number of American adults starting to smoke has dropped to nearly zero, a researcher reported Thursday in Oakland. The adults have dropped it like a stone, said John Pierce of UC San Diego, whose conclusions were based on national surveys of 100,000 people and on California surveys of 8,000. Among teenagers, smoking began to rise in 1988 after climbing, after declining by about one percentage point per year through the 80s. Uh, Pierce reported at the first scientific conference on the California Tobacco-Related Disease Research Program. That's a mouthful. Oh yeah, the old CTRDRP. Just rolls off the tongue. The study confirms uh, earlier surveys that show smoking rates increasing among teenagers. Smoking is believed to be declining significantly among black teenagers. So, at least there's that. Yeah, there's a silver lining to this. Um, smoking, Smoking's bad? Smokers are, as we all know, jokers. Yes. And there's only two of those in a deck of cards, so... I don't know where I'm going with that. December 4th. Correct. Elevator shaft fall injures 11-year-old at Harlem Building. Oh. An 11-year-old plunged two stories down an elevator shaft last night after she leaned against a set of broken elevator doors at a Harlem apartment building, the police said. The girl, Cassandra Warren, was in critical condition at St. Luke Roosevelt's Hospital Center. Wow. A hospital spokeswoman said she suffered multiple fractures and other injuries. Residents of the building, a private uh, large complex at 3333 Broadway at 134th Street, I don't know if that matters, uh, said that the door on the elevator on the second floor had been broken for several months and was not fixed despite complaints. The door appeared to have lifted out of its tracks, the police said, and would swing open from the bottom. Holy fuck, that's that's dangerous. That's fucking screwy. Yeah. December 5th, 1812 veteran reburied teenagers to study his life. This is out of Killingly, Connecticut. That's uh, a town I might not want to go to. Oliver Covell can rest in peace again. 
Covell, a farmer and War of 1812 veteran who died at age 67 in 1852, was reburied Saturday with full military honors and a flag-draped casket seven months after his remains were dug up by four curious teenagers. Jesus. Yeah. The four were arrested after one of them took the skull to school and placed it on a desk. The judge sentenced them to research Covell's life and pay for a reburial as part of their probation. That's the thing that gets me the most with this. They... Like, someone brought it to school and just put it on a desk, meaning they didn't know it was a bad idea. Like, you no, would think, like, definitely... oh, grave-robbing teenagers, that's yeah. probably, that probably happens. It's not good, but it probably happens. Probably. But they're like, hey, look at what we did, teacher. Like, this is, well, this they, is not bad. Did they just leave the skull there, like, without anyone knowing? Like, did someone see them do it? Did they just, in the middle of class, like, boop, here's a skull? Yeah, like, hey, what do you have for show and tell in high school? <laughs> high school show and tell. Yeah, you know. Uh, December 6th, drop in oil prices start to show at pump. Finally. Yeah, I know, right? Where is this? Well, I mean, they've been worse. Yeah. Uh, the sharp drop in the price of oil has begun to push down prices of gasoline at the retail level as the national average in America has fallen almost two cents a gallon for self-serve regular the Lundberg survey, which traces gasoline price every two weeks by polling about 10,000 stations, said the price fell by 1.96 cents to $1.06 a gallon for regular unleaded, the best-selling type. That is so cheap. Regular unleaded. A fucking gallon of gas. Yeah. For less than we pay for a liter. Well, freedom, what's freedom cost? Bucko five? I guess so. Hmm uh okay december 7th as a long island railroad train pulled into the marillion avenue station in garden city new york a passenger identified as colin ferguson pulled out a ruger p89 nine millimeter pistol and started firing at other passengers he murdered six people and wounded 19 others before being stopped by three of the passengers good on the passengers i guess that's fucked yeah December 8th, U.S. President Clinton signs uh, into law NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. We're, we're clinging on for dear life to that one. Oh, apparently. All right, December 9th, closing of the week. Chapman Choir gets its sister act. Sisters cast on short notice for the Whoopi Goldberg sequel, The Experience is Divine. That's all the title. The choir from Chapman University has a prominent new role in Whoopi Goldberg's movie Sister Act 2, but don't buy a ticket with the idea of cheering for local stars. Rather, the local singers play the film's heavy, a fictional choir defending its state championship against some upstarts from a poor Catholic high school in San Francisco. Oh, so they cast them as the bad guys. Yeah. Guess who conducts the underdog choir? Whoopi Goldberg. It's a story for the ages. Oh, Sister Act 2, back in the habit. So good. That is one of maybe the best movie titles. Back it's in the Habit. So Oof. It's so up there. It's so good. Whoopi's counterpart in the movie is Chapman Music uh, Dean William Hall, who directs a sort of arrogant choir, he said in an interview on campus this week. We won't tell you who wins, but you can already guess that Whoopi's group makes it tough for the haughty singers from Chapman. Fuck. I, like, I really, really want to write Sister Act 3. But what's the witty title? Uh, that's the thing. Yeah, it all it all hedges on that. Like, I, if you show up to, if you show up to whatever studio has the rights to this with the title, if you show up with the successor to Back in the Habit, it's greenlit. It's just like, okay, I've, hey, I've got it for you, Sister Act Three, blank, 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 blank. Here's here's money. Just go, go, I've, get, I've, get it started. I've got a title. Okay, we need someone to sign off on it. You'll know who in a second. Sister Act Three, Master of None. <laughs> 
<laughs> so where where's it going with that? Wait, like, Sister Act three. It's unconventional. Conventional? Get it? Sister Convent? Act three, Holy Trinity? Yeah. Okay, maybe. Uh, Master mm-hmm. of None might be ahead for now. Okay. More yeah. on this later. Yeah. Send us your Sister Act three titles. We'll we'll steal it from you. Yeah. Well, yeah, we won't give you credit. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe like if we're interviewed for it, like on Conan or something, we'll we'll slip it in there, like when the movie's about to be released. Oh, where'd you hear this? Oh, we had a podcast. And, yeah, whatever. Uh, some some random. Some random. All right, let's jump into movies and music. This week in the box office at number one, a fan favorite, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire is possibly the best '90s movie. I don't. Know. It's, it's great. So it's, it's so good. It's a great movie. Yeah, we've we've already talked plenty we've talked about way it. Way too much about it, but we're gonna talk more about it at some point. All right, what else? Is there anything exciting on here that we haven't really discussed? Um, cool Runnings is a good one. That's on the list. Yeah. Obviously, we've mentioned Jurassic Park. I'm just bouncing all around here. We're back a dinosaur story. I feel like I liked that back in the day. I, th- I, th- it sounds familiar. I, it doesn't immediately jump out at me. I know. Obviously, I've seen it. it just it's like if you told me what happens in the movie, yeah. I'd say obviously dinosaurs come back because of the title, but I can't really go much further. That's probably all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is also on here. Oh, yeah. As mentioned by that one news article. That's, Which, that's neat. It's fun that it covers two holidays. Oh, yeah. you. It's the movie you can start watching like on <laughs> October 15th and keep it right up till, well, Pretty January. much the new year. Yeah. Do you call it now? What holiday is it primarily a movie for? It's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. I feel the same way. It's a Christmas movie with spooky undertones, which is which is really good for those who like Halloween and Christmas. Now, if it wasn't called The Nightmare Before Christmas, if it was just Tim Burton's The Nightmare or something. Yeah. If it didn't say Christmas in the title, would you feel differently about it being a primarily Christmas movie? Because I, 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 I think it would be... Uh, Maybe equally a, Holly, a Halloween movie. It might it might start to skew a little bit more towards October, but right? I still think you know one the begin the opening song is, this Halloween, is Halloween, but then afterwards, yeah, it's true. It does have a Christmas finish. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's all about where you finish, not where you start. I don't know where I was going with that either. Well, just jump into this bit on Mrs. Doubtfire. All right, so I feel like. As we've mentioned, we talk about Mrs. Doubtfire all the time. I it's feel like there movie. wasn't a week last year where we didn't talk about Robin <laughs> Williams in some way. Oh, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was really surprised to come across something that I didn't know about the movie. Uh, so I'm just lifting this from Wikipedia. Okay. The makeup for Mrs. Doubtfire's appearance took hours. It took four hours to apply, which makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Williams later recounted on how he used to walk through San Francisco dressed in full makeup and costume as Euphigenia Doubtfire, and on one occasion visiting a sex shop to buy a large dildo and other toys. That's fantastic. That's amazing. If he did full voice, and it's like, oh, well, uh, didn't have these back in England or something. I don't know. Oh, that's so uncomfortable. I know, but it'd be so good. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, where do you want to go from here? Um, I guess we'll talk about music. Womp womp. No, I'm just kidding. Like, it's Christmas music now. Um. Sort of. Well, I've got the albums, so, you know. Number one's Ace of Bass, all uh, that she wants. Is this albums? Oh, no, this is hit tracks. It's just the song. Two weeks at number one. Uh, there's actually, I'm not seeing a lot of 
No, I'm not really Christmas either. Music. Like we've got some '90s mainstays on here. Brian I do, Adams. Yeah, I do anything for love. Oh, yeah. No rain by Blind Melon. Definitely a very, very big one-hit wonder. Yeah. Not this, much else going on though. Yeah, we've covered a lot of the '90s music. We definitely we've been saying this for at least six months now. Yeah, we really have. We need to jump out of the mainstream and get into some other stuff. Yeah, because there's still a lot of good '90s music we haven't talked about. But it's not the shit that shows up on any of these lists. Yeah. Why don't we? Okay. Well, let's let's bail on this for now. But know that we're working on something. Yeah. Well, that'll be like a, a New Year's. Oh, resolution. a New Year resolution. I like it. We'll bail on that by mid January. Oh yeah. We'll be we'll be back too. Yep. Talking about. Talking oh, about we've already discussed this. Oh, we've already discussed that. We'll uh we'll get there. Now before we move on to uh, this week on, I just want a little note on. I've talked about the 1998 Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie, I'll Be Home for Christmas, once or twice. A number of times. Yeah. So I was watching the movie today, and I picked up on something. When Jonathan Taylor Thomas's rival, uh, named Eddie in the film, is driving with Jessica Biel's character, at some point he mentions that he's a millennial kind of guy. Uh-oh. Yeah. I didn't, I don't remember that. I I've never picked up on that. That before. makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that. Well, this is even this is pre millennium, and he's he's using the M word. Did this movie, this Jonathan Taylor Thomas crap fest, come up with the term millennial? Unlikely. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it probably popped up way before that. But the fact that it was being appropriated by this guy before the millennium is, it's, it's a neat little thing I wanted to put in here. It's noteworthy. Yeah. All right, let's get into this week on. So this week, we're going to talk about The Simpsons. We've got season five, episode nine, The Last Temptation of Homer. Great title. A female uh, employee named Mindy is hired at the nuclear power plant. Homer and Mindy find themselves attracted to each other, but even though Homer is very tempted by her, he stays faithful to Marge. Meanwhile, Bart becomes an outcast and makes friends with a group of nerds after he's prescribed glasses, special shoes, and a throat spray, which changes his voice. This is this is definitely a good moral episode, you know. They wanted to see what would happen where Hom- when Homer is actually tempted by another woman who for some reason is attracted back to him. Very peculiar because she's also attractive. Yeah. And it's uh it's a weird it's a weird thing, but it's good and it's a nice follow-up to uh and a mirror to the earlier episode with uh, Marge and the bowling guy Jacques. Oh uh, yeah, I remember Jacques. Yeah, so they each uh, they each got their turn at some infidelity. Oh I Margie, guess. you came and you brought me a turkey on my vacation away from worky. I think that's where the song ends. Yeah, judging from your song, um, you're either infatuated with a woman named Min- Mindy or a man named Andy. That was a great line. Oh yeah. Oh, oh Andy. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this week's 90s spotlight is a bit different in that we don't have one. Uh, but we do have stories. Or well rather, I don't know what Chris has, but I have a story. Yeah, and it kind of relates to the nineties. And yeah, I, I mentioned I guess briefly the summary of the story when uh when I was doing my little spotlight last week, but you obviously have the first person account and it's full, you tell it really well. It's full blown. So here's what happened. So Tally and I were on our honeymoon in New York City. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to get and eat while I was there is a traditional New York style bagel. I want to be a part of it. I don't like most of the things on the bagel. Like I like cream cheese, but 
I don't think that onions and tomatoes are a breakfast food. What the fuck is a caper? Why am I eating salmon? Bagel sandwiches are... They're a thing. Yeah. Kind of. I, I don't know. I've never really... I'm a little more traditional with the bread, cream cheese. I'm about that. But I wanted to be a part of it. Well, bagels and cream cheese are good. So, like, I'm okay with it. Anyway, so a friend of ours uh, who did an internship at the Museum of Modern Art, or MoMA, for six months, suggested going to this place called Russ and Daughters. It's, like, the sign says since 1910. Like, this is an old place. So we walk in, and it's very hustly-bustly, and, like, we don't know how to order or how the whole thing works. So, like, you can tell we're not from around there. So Talia walks up to the counter. Woman asks what she wants. I'll have a bagel with chive cream cheese. And the woman shoots her this fucking scowl and says... Oh, is that it? And Talia shoots right back, well, what else is there? Like, it's like this tense New York breakfast moment. Who even has this? So the woman kind of eases up after that, and she's like, oh, well, you can get salmon on it. You know, we have tomatoes, onions. Like, what do you like? Talia gets some tomatoes on there. The coward that I am, like, I don't want to eat any of that other weird shit, but I definitely don't want, yeah, I don't want this woman to, like, poop on my breakfast order. Yeah. So I was like, I'll have an everything bagel with everything. And she, like, lights up. Oh, the works. Yeah, I want the works. Give me that bagel. So 24 US dollars and two bagels later, we're walking out of the store. Now, on the next block over, there's this nice little park, couple basketball courts, uh, like a kid's park, bunch of benches, homeless people. You know, New York City, right? So we go and we sit down. We're actually going to sit down by the guys shooting hoops, but we thought that'd be weird, like, if we're just sitting there eating breakfast, watching them play. So we didn't do that. We went across the park. Um, So we sit there. I open the bagels, promptly drop half of Tally's bagel on the ground, and then eat it, which I did not feel good about, but expensive bagels i'm gonna eat that bagel now hers would have been the less expensive one right true yeah mine was the legit one also for the record my bagel was one of the best things i've ever eaten it was so good anyway so we finish up breakfast and just as we're finishing um this enormous like hawk lands on the basketball net that was not being used so i look around and the guys playing basketball notice and they're like oh look at that big bird i've never seen that before so they run over, they're taking pictures, like one or two of the other people in the park are taking pictures. I decide to be a tourist, and well, whatever, everyone else is doing it. So I now have a couple pictures of a big-ass bird on my phone. This is all well and good. We get up, we go to leave the park. As we're walking by the guys shooting hoops, I look over, I look back at Tally, and I'm like, hey, Tally, does that, does that guy look like Adam Sandler to you? And she looks over, oh yeah, kinda. And I glance again, no, I, I think that's Adam Sandler. So we continue walking, and I keep looking back, and she's like, okay, well, why don't we just, like, I'll pretend I don't know where we're going, and we'll walk back, and we'll see. So she's like, she cannot act. She's, like, pointing around, like, up in the air, like, oh, we're going the wrong way. Like, you don't have to sell it. We could have just turned around and walked. And if she tells you the story, she will tell you that it was very nonchalant, and I want you to know that she's full of shit. (laughs) So she's pointing. Tyra's going to be inexplicably mad at you and, like, two months if she gets to this episode i don't think it'll be inexplicable she's always got the right to be mad about something anyway relationship married life yeah married life right so uh we turn around and sure enough he takes off this big white hoodie and underneath that hoodie is a kind of gristled definitely trying not to be recognized extraordinarily sweaty 100 bona fide genuine adam sandler just playing fucking basketball with his buddies in the park 
And so like as if this story weren't amusing enough, like we didn't want to be dicks. We didn't want to take a picture of him or like try and meet him and shake his hand or something. Like He's just playing ball in a park and now I have a fun story. Win win. We walk our way out and Tally's like, wait a minute. He's the guy in the red shorts. You were standing beside him taking a picture of that bird. So not only did all of this happen, but I unknowingly took a photograph of a bird in a park in New York City with Adam Sandler. This is the most New York Jew thing that has happened to a non-New York non-Jew. And it's the best. That's uh, that's a good story. So that's the story. And uh, for, you, for you guys wondering how that relates to the 90s, he made several good movies in that decade. Oh, he sure did. I would say he made all of the good movies in that decade. Maybe. I mean, not to say that all good movies were made by Adam Sandler, but all of his mo- all of his good movies were in the 90s. Yeah, he was gold. Yeah. So I was thinking about something recently. I don't think there's been a lot of good Christmas music since the end of the 90s. Okay. Yeah. And I think I finally cracked it why there hasn't been any good. I think Britney Spears' My Only Wish This Year is the last good Christmas song. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Which I think a lot of you out there might even be hard pressed to think that that's a good Christmas song. Well, yeah. But yeah, I think I, I think I got to the bottom of it. Now, let's say Last Christmas by Wham. Yeah. That is an 80s pop song about Christmas. Mm-hmm. If we go back, if we go back from that, most Christmas songs are songs by the artist about Christmas. Yep. This continues with Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You in the 90s. It's a Mariah Carey song about Christmas. Same can be said about My Only Wish This Year by Britney Spears. It's a pop song by Britney Spears about Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then I think it stops. Okay. Now we have everything's full of jingle bells. Everything is full of big band orchestras. Side note, Michael Buble gets away with it because that's his genre. That's his jam. But almost all of the original Christmas music that has come out in the past 15 to 17 years isn't that good because none of it is actually music by the artist that they're trying to be like kelly clarkson's a pop artist she doesn't need to be accompanied by a big band her songs are decent though but overall most of these songs coming out are these weird big band orchestras like any of the original tunes they're not the genre that the artist is known for really i don't think there's been a good rap christmas song at least in the last 25 years have you heard dmx's cover of rudolph the red-nosed reindeer bear that doesn't count he there's no recording of it if he released i mean there is a recording of it yeah but he's just singing at a radio station oh yeah there's no album like there's no like actually produced recording of it oh no i think i um maybe not i don't know i heard it on spotify like a day or two ago really yeah okay maybe we've got something but still that's a cover yeah like artists have no it's it's not songs yeah yeah but original Christmas music, we haven't had good stuff in 17 years. I'm throwing that out there. I think I and agree. It's because people haven't stuck to their genres. Yeah. If, you know, if a band in 2003 put out a nice emo Christmas song, maybe we'd still be listening to it today. If Skrillex made some weird dubstep Christmas in, in 2010, I don't know if I'd like it, but I'm sure it would have caught on with kids real well. Like, there's no Dead Mouse Christmas. There's no... I don't even know. Like, there's... Home for the holidays. Like, Lord doesn't have any Christmas songs. Like, and if... Like, some of these artists need to produce Christmas music in their genre. We need some 2010s pop music, rap music, whatever it is that you do 
keep doing it, but just add a little holiday flair into it. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Yeah, that's all you need to do, and you might have a hit out there. I think you might be right. I I think I could be onto something. For sure. Oh man, this week's sponsor is a good one. I have this. This means something to me. Yeah, well, take it away then. Oof. This week, Stuck in the 90s, is brought to you by putting a different cartridge in the top of a Sonic and Knuckles game. So, Sega Genesis, Sonic and Knuckles, super fun. And it's got like a flip top where you can flip it open and put a different cartridge on top of it. Yeah, you're supposed to put Sonic uh, the Hedgehog 3 or Sonic the Hedgehog 2 into it. And you can play as Knuckles in those games. Yeah, it's and pretty it also, neat. I think it changes some of the content of Sonic and Knuckles as well. It's pretty cool. It gives you sort of like a twofer. Yeah, it's really sweet. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you had some other cartridges. Oh, for sure. And and you probably wanted to find out what happened when you jammed that right in the top of there. Are you going to get, like, Sonic and, uh, I don't know, Sonic and NBA Jam? Are you going to get Sonic and, I don't know, what are some other Sega games? Oh, there was, like vector man oh i had like i had tony larusa's baseball 95 yeah like what's gonna happen you're you're eight you don't know what's going on when you're gonna plug like you don't know how computer programming works is sonic gonna show up on this baseball pitch is is fucking like daryl strawberry gonna be running around collecting rings in in like the green hill zone this is so exciting tell the people what happened uh, not a lie. No. Sonic comes up and says, like, no, you can't do that. And yeah, I think you get, he, like, a little mini game. He but... wags his finger at you. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny. Yeah, but, you know, you did it, you experimented, and that is what we applaud you for. Sonic and Knuckles, we would like to thank you for sponsoring this week's podcast, for giving us, you know, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of a oomph to try something new. A sense of adventure. Yeah, exactly. As always, you can find us online at stuckinthe90spodcast.com. If you'd like to be a $10 sponsor, throw us 10 bucks, throw us the equivalent in tacos. We will plug your wares. Drop yeah, us a line at stuckinthe90spodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Twitter is SIT90s. Instagram and Facebook is stuckinthe90spodcast. We've been terrible about posting things. I'll be real with you. But I mean, if you follow us on there, you know that. And yeah. you're disappointed. And so are we. But on the flip side, if you want someone new to follow on uh, on Instagram or Twitter who's not jamming up your feed, yeah. give us a follow. Yeah, you're welcome Yeah, for our not, lack of content. Yeah, we're not uh, plugging up your feed with like retweet after retweet oh, after gross. Like, uh, rants. We're not going on rants about the FBI being a piece of shit. Yeah. We talk about the 90s. Yeah. You know what we talk about when the FBI comes around in the 90s? X-Files? Oh, yeah. We talk about Mulder. We talk about Scully. We talk about assistant director Skinner. We talk about the smoke monster. Yeah. Or do we? Smoke monster. Smoke man? Smoking man. Smoking man. Yeah. Damn it. Smoke monster's lost. Damn it. I knew it. As soon as I said it, I knew there was a smoke thing and I'd fuck it up. God damn it. I have nothing else to add. You know what? Smoking's bad. That's uh, that's what we have to add. We've talked about it in the news this week. We're talking about it now. That's Don't the, that's smoke. the takeaway. Yeah, that is the takeaway from this. And for now, <laughs> the podcast, podcast is, is now, now smoke free. Oh shit! We went in two different directions. We did. That, that was so close, though. Don't smoke. Yeah, probably guys. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back with another week next uh, next week. Oh, that too. Yeah, but you knew that probably. Bye.